Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. And welcome to episode 332 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. I am the Corey C. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast to be notified of all future episodes. We're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen to podcasts. So support the show and tell every Tiger that you know. It all helps the cause, which is the I love Jackson State University. And it is WNIT week, and our Lady Tigers have already made the trip, that short drive up I-55 to Memphis to prepare to play another set of Lady Tigers, of course, the Memphis Lady Tigers. So we had to bring on a special guest to talk about this ball club. He does the radio play-by-play for the Memphis Lady Tigers, none other than Tyler Springs. Welcome to Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. What's up, Corey? Thank you for having me. This is uh, it's an exciting time. I want you to set me straight on something first, if you can, because absolutely Memphis has gone away from doing Tigers and Lady Tigers. Everybody, okay, tigers okay. Now. But okay. Jackson State, you guys, I would I would be proper. I'd be correct in referring to them as Lady. Absolutely. So tigers. thank you for That's correcting me on that. Thank you for letting me know. I'm so used to saying Lady Tigers, so I wanted to give you your your proper respect. It. But uh, it's the Tigers, absolutely. <laughs> All right. So again, we thank you for coming on the show. So tell us a little bit about yourself, what exactly you do, if you want to expound on that, how long you've been with the program and any, any fun facts that you want to share. Well, it's it's been fun for me. This is my fourth season doing uh, University of Memphis women's basketball uh, full time on the radio. And uh, it's our our second year doing it on News Talk 98.9, the roar of Memphis, the same station as the men. So it's been cool to, to have that kind of billing, uh, especially the last two seasons. But, you know, this is a team that I've seen go from a team that won four games in the COVID year to a team that's now won 20 this year. And that's an incredible build mm. uh, for Katrina Merriweather. So I've, I've done women's basketball since 2013. Um, I graduated from Rhodes College here in Memphis, a small okay. little D3 school, right? They they play some with Millsaps down there. You okay. Guys All right. Wow. You speak uh, our language? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I've, I've been to the Hangar Dome, believe it or not. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, wow. So I've done that. Taking me to Jackson out there to Pearl as well, mm. uh, just in my time doing play by play. But looking at women's basketball in particular and these two teams, it's been incredible to see. I think Jackson State, which has been pretty good the last couple of years, mm-hmm. I think even before Coach Reed got there, had some decent seasons. But mm-hmm. she and Katrina Merriweather building these programs into what they are. And I think you have to say hats off to Coach Reed first because she's won what is it three now regular season titles in the SWAC uh, in a row. Back to back coach of the year. I mean, those things speak for themselves. It's not easy to do uh, down there in Jackson, where you got a lot of competition for talent from Mississippi State, from Mm -hmm. Ole Miss, from Southern Mm -hmm. Miss, not to mention other schools that are in your conference. Mm -hmm. And I think it's it's incredible for me to watch women's basketball this way, and it feels like 
women's basketball, right? South Carolina, uh, Stanford, mm-hmm. those schools, like the top, top of women's basketball is like really elite. I think mm-hmm. the, you know, there's, there's a lot more teams in the big dance for me that have really elite talent in terms of there's a shelf, right? And there's a drop off. I think it's much harder for a lower seated team in the NCAA tournament to win games. It is in the top seat for the women, at least, you know, and the men, I think you can see some upsets, you know, a 14, three, a 12, five, that kind of thing. But I think it's, it's harder for the women because there's a talent drop off often. Mm-hmm times WNIT is that these are almost all teams that are within like a, a group of 60 70 or so in the net rankings mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. anywhere you go in the WNIT field you're going to find teams that can beat you uh, mm-hmm. and I parody think that, a lot of parody mm-hmm. to have a field this size and to bring in teams uh, like the automatic qualifiers, Memphis and Jackson State, but mm-hmm. also some really big name teams that didn't get into the NCAA tournament field. Mm-hmm. You know, Oregon's in this tournament. You got a, a killer bracket in the Midwest with Nebraska and Missouri and Kansas. Uh, you got Clemson in this in this quarter of the bracket. So there's a lot of fun to be had. But I'm just psyched that uh, I get to do uh, this game and this job. It's been incredible to do it with Katrina Merriweather, who, uh, if you get the chance to meet her or speak mm-hmm. with her or interview her for Tiger Talk at some point down the mm-hmm. line. She's awesome. Um, she's incredibly passionate about women's basketball and passionate about uh, bringing to this community in this part of the country. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think and making it a product people are proud of. Uh, yeah. I think that's, uh, that's kind of where we're trying to get to. You know, Memphis, I think, in, and Jackson State. I don't want to step on your questions, but no, I know they both had exits from the conference. Yes, we'll talk about it. <laughs> fuels this matchup a little bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. And obviously your head coach, she has done a phenomenal job in a short amount of time. We'll definitely talk about her. But I know that's something that in Memphis you love to see because this is a basketball town, a basketball city, much like Jackson. So to have the men's and women's uh, basketball program doing great things, I know you guys are excited. So starting with your ladies, 20 and 10 overall, 11 and 4 in conference play, 20 wins in the season. That's always a milestone. But what are your quick overall thoughts on how the regular season played out relative to those preseason expectations? Massive accomplishment. Uh, um, first into the 20 win threshold since 2011, 2012, when they won 25 that year. And I believe they went to the W. And to see where this program was with four wins two years ago in COVID, mm-hmm. Coach. At the time, retired, uh, you know, in the middle of February there, still with four games okay. up to play in the wow. season. And um, they were able to get Katrina coming off of the right state upset of Arkansas in the NCAA tournament that year. And to see what she's done with the program where she has she has retained three players from that team, Lynetta Williams, Jamira Shoots, Madison Griggs, and they're all seniors or fifth years now. Fifth year. And to turn things around to the point where she got to 16 wins last year, uh, and she got to 20 wins this year uh, is just incredible. You know, it's it's not a it's not necessarily a style of basketball that people love, but I don't think people care about that when you see the W's, right? I mean, that's the biggest thing. Um, you know, that's part of why Memphis loves grit and grind, mm, yeah, identity type of thing. Mm-hmm. And people have been really proud of the way the Grizzlies played for so many years. You know, where it was kind of bully ball inside. It wasn't mm-hmm. very Golden State Warriors, if you will, right. but. This team, I think, is emblematic of that a little bit because they've gotten there with their defense. Uh, they defend like crazy. Um, that's part of what has helped them to their best wins this year. I mean, they won twice without scoring a three-pointer 
against wow. this season. Now, that's unheard of in this day and age. People would say that's not really an accomplishment you want to put in your resume, right? Um, but it is a win, right? So mm-hmm. it's I think it shows their dedication to the defensive end of the basketball and mm-hmm. the fact that they can win games in a variety of ways. You know, in the same month that they beat UCF back in February where they went, I think, 0 for 14 in their threes on the road where they went 13 of mm. 26 from three. So mm-hmm. you never know what you're going to get. Um, they've found a variance of ways to win, a variety of ways to win. And I think that's been the coolest part is that it, it's not just one way. You know, you don't see them in the second quarter. Oh, they're not doing this tonight. You know, th- there's not going to be a victory in line. Mm-hmm. They just find ways and make adjustments to try and get back in the game. And they very often have. Now, the team was picked to finish tied for fifth in the conference in the preseason coaches poll, but wound up the number two seed in the AAC tournament, which was the program's highest seeding since it joined the conference, if I'm not mistaken. So would you say that the team overachieved a bit or was this more so the team was underestimated coming into the the season? It's funny. Um, I think I'm going to middle it somewhere in there. But it's it's this kind of thing where at a certain point, right, Katrina, I think, would tell you she felt like she had top three talent in the league. Okay. Um, but top three talent does not lead to top three win total. And right. what Memphis did in the back half of the season, I think, was particularly interesting yes. because they lost a couple of games uh, starting conference play, Temple on the road, a bad loss, and then East Carolina at home where they were up by five in the fourth quarter and they blew it. And they kind of had a, a come-together meeting after that game to say, hey, we're going to change some things. We're going to be really honest with you guys. Uh, this is why we're going to make these changes. And we're going to put some people in positions where we feel like they can succeed best for the overall output of the team. And since that time, they lost three games after that, including February or yeah, February to March the 1st and even into the first round of the, the American mm-hmm. Athletic Conference Tournament. Um, so they won six in a row to close the regular season to get to that second position just ahead of East Carolina. Their overall belief in themselves came together in a way that it hadn't quite solidified uh, in games preceding that. But I think it's an incredible accomplishment for them because of, as you said, it's the highest finishing conference tournament play. And in the American, they don't play a balanced schedule. You don't see everybody twice. So some teams will miss some of the the teams at the top of the league uh, and not necessarily play the caliber, um, you know, as frequently. So Memphis played South Florida twice. You know, they're in the NCAA tournament. They got a chance to see them twice. They played them pretty tight in both matchups. Uh, and I think once they found out they could do that, both those meetings in January, everything in front of them looked like a doable deed, so to speak. Not that they were going to win, but that they could win. Uh, and they proved that to themselves, you know, week in and week out. Um, so I think Katrina in her first two seasons at the helm of the Memphis program has outdone preseason uh, in both those years and i think that's that's becoming a trademark you can only do that so much until you get voted into you know the top one mm-hmm. or top two in the conference but i think actually they got to the point where once they realized how good they were they are disappointed that they did not make the conference tournament title game at mm-hmm. a minimum mm-hmm. uh, especially because in, in the american tournament the number one seed south florida went down in the quarterfinals so it left things open mm-hmm. uh, wide open one of the, mm-hmm. the other states to get there of uh, what I would say is a disappointing loss against East Carolina in the semifinals. 
Right, right. So you talk about some of those tough matchups, some of those tough opponents that they played throughout the season, but also, of course, the team hit its stride over the final quarter of the season, seven straight wins to finish the season. And you took that momentum into the conference tournament and you squeaked out a two-point opening round win against a struggling UCF team that was only 4-11 and in conference play, which is the inverse of Memphis, who was 11-4. and Now, we'll get to that ensuing game against ECU, but did you notice anything in that UCF game that was a cause for concern or would you just chalk that up to postseason play where everybody's just giving it their best? Well, it's a couple of things. Um, in the one regular season meeting they had, Memphis beat them by two time. Uh, and that was one of the uglier games of basketball you or I have seen, Corey. They <laughs> won the game despite shooting 19% from the field. Uh, no and way. Yeah, so they're, wow. Memphis, at the time I looked it up, Memphis and Norfolk State, I think, had both shot – below 20% from the field and won a game this year. And those are the only two teams mm. that had won a single game shooting that low. So, you know, I think you could, you could say a lot of things had to go right for them in order to win that game despite the poor shooting performance. But UCF is a team that won the championship last year in the American before their coach left and took a couple of players with her to the University okay. of Georgia. So the kids on that team know what it's like to be in a pressure situation, many of them at least, the ones who remain from that championship team. They play terrific defense, uh, and they also have an associate head coach, Memphis Tigers associate head coach last year. She left to go to UCF because okay. of, which is her college roommate, right? You can wow. hardly say no to that. So yeah. you're acknowledge that. This is weird, but I can't say no. It's her college roommate. You know, what am I going to do? Um, wow. So they know Memphis you know, yeah. as well as anybody else because they used to have a coach on staff. So I think that presented problems. And, again, um, you know, they did a really good job denying Memphis in particular from the three um, and that is one of those things where they don't often get uh, a ton of three-point shooting but in the games they do it kind of blows the roof off I think they hit 12 three-pointers earlier this year against Howard and they got to the 100 point mark so that can kind of unlock another level of offense for this team because it's it's a defense reliant team and when you you shut off the water for them outside the three-point arc you make it hard for them the way UCF and later East score and similarly with Jackson State, we were a heavy favorite, actually, to win the conference tournament. But we also struggled in that quarterfinal round before pulling away late. And, uh, of course, we were ultimately upset in the semifinals. But talk about your loss to ECU and how that game played out. I wouldn't call it an upset because the team was 11-5 in conference play and 23-9 over, uh, overall. So talk to us about that game. I just want to say of the highlights I watched of the Jackson State-Southern game, that was bananas, man. I cannot mm, believe crazy. the way that Mm -hmm. game ended uh, and it, it certainly I'm sure it hurt uh, a lot yeah, for, for it. it was I won't I'm, I mean you've been over that path I'm sure mm -hmm. a lot the last week mm -hmm. so I, don't, I won't go over with you but that I'm, you know crazy stuff happens right mm -hmm. it's, it's tournament. The tournament it's tournament and, mm -hmm. um, for Memphis uh, they started the the American Athletic Conference tournament if you combine the quarterfinal round uh, and the semifinal round against ECU I believe they started the conference tournament one three-point line uh, mm. And they started, so they started that game, I believe, over 15, uh, and they ended up mm. one for 25 because they made a three in the last 12 seconds. Um, ECU's defense is terrific. If you don't know anything about what Kim McNeil and, and her side have done, they're third in the country, I believe. They're top five in the country in turnovers, force, and steals. Uh, they tend to do it with a three-two zone that traps the ball on the wings, makes it very, very hard for you to move the ball uh, mm -hmm. and to penetrate for free throws and. They have leaned in fleets to play it, uh, and they did very well with it this year. That's what their conference record demonstrates. And I think Memphis certainly felt like 
even with all the things that went against them in that game from the three-point line in particular, you know, it was a tie game going into the fourth quarter, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it was not out of reach by any means. And it just happened to go UCF's, right? Thank you, pardon me. Happened to go East Carolina's way down the stretch. Uh, and it's frustrating for Memphis because they do feel like, you know, it was a team that won eight games in a row. That, not that you haven't played good teams, not that you haven't been um, challenged, but because you felt like, you can get to the conference tournament game. It's right there. Uh, and I think ECU would have felt the same way if, the, if they had lost because I think they were 7-1 and one in their last eight games. Okay. Either side would have felt like it, it's an upset because sure. we're hot. Yeah, they're hot, but we're hot too. Um, and uh, for Memphis, it was it was a blow, certainly. Um, mm-hmm. But Absolutely. getting to the 20, we're really proud of that. Um, yeah. So it's been um, – uh, it, it took a little it took a little time, I think, for the sting to wear off, and probably for some of us, the sting is not worn off. But right. uh, it's a disappointment. Yeah, yeah, same here. <laughs> absolutely. Because, I mean, Jackson State is a team that absolutely expected to be in the NCAA tournament this season. I think the bigger question for us was what seed would we get, not would we make it to the tournament. Last season, 14, played LSU, should have won that game, had them on the ropes, had the lead down the stretch. So our players have still been watching that game as recently as a couple months ago. They still look at it and they were just waiting to get back to that moment. So, yes, absolutely a devastating loss in the SWAC tournament. Almost surreal, honestly, for a lot of fans players and even coaches and you know they were still actually hoping to get an, an at-large bid based on their overall resume but how about Memphis you talked about them expecting to make it to the conference tournament championship game but what's the overarching sentiment around the program was this team still expecting to perhaps get an at-large bid and was there initially a feeling of disappointment or a letdown I reached out independently of the team to somebody on Twitter uh Megan Gower over at her hoop stats uh, if you don't know her hoop stats check it out they do a great job with women's basketball stats, they do the kind of advanced metrics that you expect. Keeping Memphis from being in the bubble conversation. And she said, essentially, too many non-conference losses. Uh, you know, like a lot of the mid-major teams that were looking at hopefully being on the bubble at large just had lost fewer games uh, in the non-conference portion and no quality wins, nothing over, you know, a top 25 team in the net. Um, you know, they had a chance against – uh, South Florida to do that, um, you know, at the time, South Florida didn't end up being a, a top 25 net team, but, uh, you know, they played some good teams. They played South Carolina, they played Indiana, um, two of the top seeds in the country, but, you know, could not come away with a W. And I think those are the two things that were holding Memphis back. So to me, you really needed to, to get to the conference tournament championship, uh, and play a tight game to have any shot at an at large bid. But realistically, you were out unless you won the conference tournament. Now that they, they still went and watched the conference selection. Uh, yeah, they still went and watched the NCAA uh, tournament selection show. Okay. Um, I don't know what internally the expectations are. I think, um, you know, I, I don't know if I would, would put them necessarily invisible off the bubble. Um, you know, mm-hmm. like UMass, Providence, you know, some teams, not Providence, sorry, UMass, Rhode Island, uh, you know, a couple of teams out of the MAC, uh, like a, a Ball State or a Bowl teams who were, who were right there kind of, uh, on the edge of the bubble, but maybe we're not quite in there. Um, you know, I think they think of themselves as, look, we, we played, I think, six different conference champions this year. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so in, in that locker room, they would say, look, uh, you know, they beat St. Louis, they mm-hmm. beat Towson, you know, they beat some of these teams that had won conference titles. Um, you know, they, they matched up, I think, well against a lot of really good teams, Columbia and St. John's in particular. Um, but, Ultimately, uh, not enough, like just a couple too many L's um, and not enough quality W's to get to the NCAA tournament as an at-large. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it's a it's a resume that sets up well for hopefully a strong run in the WNIT. You know, if they get past the sting of 
we didn't make it, you know, to the place we want game to game. And they got as they can have as many as six more games if they, you know, if they win that far. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. And let's talk about some key players for this ball club. You mentioned a couple names earlier, but uh, let's talk about some names that JSU fans should expect to hear over and over on Thursday, whether it's on the broadcast or even from the PA announcer. So at first glance, it appears that this team is fueled by its backcourt, second-team all-conference guard Jamira Schutz and third-team guard Madison Griggs. So are those the top two players to look out for? I would say yes. Uh, I think I would include a third in there uh, in Amani Jefferson, mm -hmm. uh, who's their third-leading scorer. Mm -hmm. But – uh, it's certainly a team that's defined by those two kids. And, you know, they, they've been on teams that uh, they were, you know, two of the kids that were on the team when they yes. won four games, right? Mm -hmm. um, so they have seen the team rise in the last two years. Uh, and, you know, and, and it took some belief on their part to agree to what Katrina was asking of them okay. to change the style of basketball that they were playing. Um, Griggs, in my opinion, is one of the best three-point shooters in the country. Um, mm -hmm. She's incredibly locked in. She's got the program record for career three-point He's a Memphis native. Jamira shoots from West Tennessee, Brownsville, about 40 minutes outside, um, has been uh, a terrific scorer and handles a large usage percentage, you know, just like takes a lot of the possessions where there's nothing good happening. There's under like six seconds on the shot clock and you got to do something. Jamira's been the one who's looked to. Um, and for that reason, she has a pretty high turnover count in some games um, and a high shot count, even when it's not going in, just because people know she has the confidence to take those shots. And if she misses, it's not going to undercut her, you know. Um, but she's a, a great driver of the basketball, good at the free throw line, tough, like physically like well-conditioned for a guard. Uh, those two kids you're going to see a lot of. And Jefferson is, is kind of the third one in there that's been rising uh, as the season and as her career has progressed because Amani was at Wright State with Katrina. Okay, okay. On this roster who came over from Wright State um, where they were coached by Katrina and rec recruited by Katrina's staff. Jefferson is five foot six, but she has an incredible leaping ability. I mean, she explodes the way a much bigger player might. So you'll see her with probably a double digit rebound total if mm -hmm. it goes well. She's had back to back double doubles in the last two games, and that's pretty good for a five foot six player. Mm -hmm. um, so there's, I think, just a ton of juice in her game, uh, and she's an excellent on ball defender. So uh, those are the three that you're going to see. Big part. Those are the three that you're going to see a lot of. Um, certainly, those are the ones who get a lot of trust um, with the ball in their hands. But um, you know, I I look at Tylen Bowler and and some of the kids in the mm -hmm. backcourt for Jackson State. Mm -hmm. You know, they're no slouches either. Right. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so you talk about that three guard lineup, that dynamic guard rotation you have. But what about the six four freshman, Destiny Thomas? I mean, she gave you a huge boost this season, finishing in the top 10 in the league in multiple categories. So with her, how important has she been for the team, a team that doesn't boast a ton, a lot, a ton of size, as we said, in the starting lineup? It's really important. And, um, you know, there have been times where she's playing against kids that are four or five years older than she mm -hmm. is, and she's just get, now getting her first reps. But she got inserted into the starting lineup for Memphis's game against SMU, uh, third game in conference play, and has not left it since then. And she's been incredibly consistent. She's not necessarily going to wow you in terms of putting up a double-double or 
putting up uh, a 20 point game, that kind of thing. You know, she's still growing. Uh, and she was in high school uh, on a pretty decent team that went to the state championship game, won state titles in Arkansas, but she was never kind of like the lead player per, per se. She always had a, a guard that uh, she deferred to a little bit. So she's growing into a role as uh, an offensive aggressor. And defensively, uh, she's already really well built uh, for the game. I, I think she's done a great job against uh, like the conference player of the year in our conference was a talented six foot four post player for South Florida that she did a great job against. She really neutralized uh, the, the freshman that was all freshman team and freshman of the year for East Carolina in the post who was a four star recruit. So defensively, I think is where she has been able to shine at least early in her career. Um, she's just been a great solid presence in there. Again, like it's not going to jump off the page at you, but she and Hannah Riddick, Hannah being a sophomore and, and playing the four, I think I've done a great job just as a very young front court, staying together, staying confident, even when they get in foul trouble or when things are not going their way. You know, they really fight. They scrap. They they scratch on the boards uh, to try and make things go Memphis's way. And I definitely wanted to circle back around to Coach Merriweather. We talked about it earlier, but I mean, second year and again, off to a super impressive start. I think it's the, their best two year run in several years up there in Memphis. So talk a little bit more. You talked about, you know, getting players to buy in and things like that. But what has been the most impressive part about what she's done and how or why has she been able to get those players to buy in so quickly? I think the why of it uh, belongs a lot to her character and her staff. Um, they're just when you meet them. Very, very real, genuine people. Um, I think they have realistic but high expectations for the program. And I think they push the kids to places where they respond. You know, um, you know, there's not always one way to coach a team. And I think they would tell you they have coached this team at different points in the year based on what they felt like they needed. And I think that's Katrina's biggest strength is just adapting to the environment and knowing what the strengths of her roster is and, and what can work in a particular situation. You know, she listens to her staff. Um, you know, she gives people an opportunity to play. Whether you're, you're first in the roster or 12th in the roster, like you're always given an opportunity, no matter how small. And that I think is part of what has been able to grow this team from one that was expected to finish fifth into a team that made a run late in the season, got the second and, hopefully is primed uh, to be one of the top teams in the American in seasons to come. The American's going to expand next year with six new teams coming in. So it's going to be a different look to it, but I think her confidence in the players that she has uh, more than they think they're capable of has been really incredible, um, particularly on the defensive end. I think with even another summer under her belt and under the team's belt, you know, after this coming summer, they're going to look even better. Um, and it's been awesome to be able to see somebody take a program that mm -hmm. hadn't undergone a coaching change since like pre-social media, since the mm. mid 2000s, you know, wow. people were pretty excited when, when she came in, but they didn't, and they knew her record, but they didn't know how it was going to look or how I, I didn't know it was going to go this way this quickly, but mm -hmm. they're thrilled, I think with where they are and uh, they, you know, they're hungry for a little bit more. Uh, they're encouraging the kids to keep growing and finding ways to win and, that's what makes a women's basketball program fun. 
Absolutely. It'll, it'll be interesting to see the chess match, if you will, between the two head coaches this time of year with the, being in the tournament. All teams are talented, so it comes, sometimes it comes down to some X's and O's and things of that nature. But a similar story, a similar path for our head coach, Tamika Reed, uh, when she took over a program and trying to get it turned around. And there was, uh, you know, trying to uh, inject her culture and her vision and uh, obviously having to move on for certain players and, and bring her players in. But just kind of seeing what Coach Merriweather has done in a certain amount, in a short amount of time, because Coach Reed turned it around right, right away. So I see Katrina Merriweather having a similar trajectory. So it'll be exciting to see uh, how she kind of grows the program going forward. But over on the men's side, of course, you have head coach Penny Hardaway. You knew we had to talk about him before we let you go. And uh, fun fact, we at Jackson State, we have a former NBA All-Star at the helm as well, Coach Mo Williams, and he's a former NBA champion also. And, of course, Penny is from Memphis, and he's back coaching in his hometown and Mo is from Jackson, and he's back coaching in his hometown. So uh, Mo's doing a phenomenal job. He just finished up his first season, 12-6 and six in the conference in number three seed. Came up a little bit short, but we're looking forward uh, to what he'll be doing in the future. And, of course, everyone knows what Coach Penny's doing up there, especially in the recruiting. And I just filled out my bracket last night, so I have you guys making some noise with that eight seed. So definitely I hope you guys don't disappoint me. I have you advancing. So let's talk briefly on Coach Penny Hardaway and just how he's energized the program in the city. Well, it's been really cool. And I will say, um, I saw what, uh, I saw, I should say, I saw, I saw the move from, um, Alabama State to mm -hmm. Jackson State from Mo Williams because I knew he was over there. I did not know he was Jackson. Mm -hmm. Having Penny at the head of the program, really cool. You know, people have been critical of the way Penny has managed things in the first couple of years because mm -hmm. I think he's been compared to, the John Calipari era or like yeah. the Josh Passner yeah. era, even when, you know, they went to, they would go to three, four, five tournaments in like a six year span, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and it took Penny a little while to get his program in the shape that he wanted it in, get the players in that he wanted, you know, taking over for Tubby Smith was kind of getting a completely different kettle of fish uh, and getting his hands on a college program for the first time, having not had experience at the college level before, uh, you know, it took a little bit of time for him to to build. It didn't take any time at all for him to recruit, but I think <laughs> right. to learn what just what the program needed uh, and to give it that took a little bit of time. So you, I think you're seeing finally the results of that paying off this year with Kendrick Davis and DeAndre Williams being able to hoist that American Athletic Conference trophy. It means a lot to the city of Memphis to have Penny running that program. I think it means a lot to him, you know, watching talent coaching their program but i i think he loves being in memphis because this is where he's from you know this is this has always been his city and um, they're really proud of him and uh, i think he's proud to be able to do this for memphis so they played a great game against gonzaga last year in the second round uh, and i felt like they um they're they're they took that loss hard you know uh, they mm -hmm. felt like they were competing really well against gonzaga so to be again in the eight nine game with a tough matchup in west virginia uh, you know they got their hands full if they can get through bob huggins then they get likely Purdue, uh, you know, and, and who knows what happens from there. But it's uh, it's been fun to see Tiger basketball um, celebrated on both sides, men and mm -hmm. women. Um, and I hope, you know, Mo Williams is going to do the same thing for Jackson State. Absolutely. Absolutely. We are excited about our men's program. And of course, we're excited about our women's program. So Thursday at 7 p.m., the game will be streamed on ESPN Plus, And I will post the link to purchase tickets in the show description below. And uh, our fans will travel. It's a short ride. And, uh, you know, we uh, definitely with the taste in our mouths from last season, we made the short drive down to Baton Rouge. And now we're going to make the short uh, drive up to Memphis looking to pull the upset. So from a fan standpoint, can we expect the Memphis fans to show up and be in attendance? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I think, you know, this is, it's funny, you know, when you talk about the way programs have grown, right? You talk about Coach Reed turned around Jackson State. People in Memphis really weren't paying a lot of mind to what the Memphis women were doing. You know, even this year, early in the year, when they played South Carolina, when they played Middle Tennessee, really tough, they really weren't saying anything about it. But then come this eight-game stretch in the back half of the year, I see a lot more, at least on social media, in terms of people like, hey, I'm getting tickets. I'm coming. You know, I'm going to be there. I'll be behind the team bench. Um, so I think people have really started to come out and enjoy Memphis Tigers games on the women's side uh, because it's a small environment in the field house. It'll be loud out in there, especially with the band. And uh, they expect nothing less than the absolute best from Jackson State. And because, as you noted, it's a very close game, there's going to be a lot of Jackson State fans up here in attendance. So I think you're going to get a full house uh, at the field house on Thursday. Absolutely. A lot of blue and white on both sides. So we are looking forward to it. So, Tyler, thank you for doing this. We appreciate it. Definitely wanted to get some insight on our opponent. Uh, We look forward to making the drive. And uh, I look forward to meeting you personally. Yeah, well, hang on. What has impressed you most for Jackson State? Because, I mean, that's a team, obviously, that you've seen all conference players on the last couple of years, right? But this mm-hmm. year, you I mean, you can talk about Tyler and Bowler, but just just tell me, like, who else maybe I'm lo- not looking for just beyond the radar uh, other than Tyler and Bowler that's going to impress on Thursday. Mm-hmm. So the beauty of this team is that it's so well balanced. We have a number of ladies who can beat you, a lot, number of ladies who can lead the team in scoring. So this team lost two players off last season's team to the pros, right? We had a WNBA draft pick in Amisha Williams, who was drafted by the Indiana Fever. And we have a young lady who's playing overseas right now in Serbia by the name of Deja Rogan. So those were the anchors of those two young ladies. Deja was SWAC player of the year. Uh, Amisha was defensive player of the year. And then the senior season, Amisha was player of the year and defensive player of the year. So they really carried the load. And we had a lot of talent on last year's team, but they really couldn't showcase it because we had those two young ladies. So when they left the program, ladies like Atila and Bowler, who had that talent last year, but she was, I don't want to say she was held back, but again, we have those superstar upperclassmen kind of have to wait your turn. So you're seeing what she could do all along. But Coach Reed has been excellent. She's an excellent recruiter. Right from high school, uh, Tealan Bowler is a player that she signed out of high school. She's a former dandy dozen in Mississippi. That's the list of from our Clarion Ledger, the top 12 players in the state. And those players typically go to power fives. All right. But Coach Reed was able to, to bring her into the program. But she's great in that portal. Right. She's amazing in the portal. She went out and got a, a six, six former five star McDonald's All-American from USC, who's our starting center at Angel Jackson and a six, five former uh, five star as well. And uh, Daphne White. So six, five and six, six in the post. They are low to handle. Angel Jackson can stretch it out. Daphne, it, she requires a double team. And uh, Tealan Bowler can do a little bit of everything. She can guard any position, one through five. She's an excellent shooter. And then in the backcourt, we have a really solid backcourt in Jariah Covington and uh, Kashana Luck. If they've been there, they've done that. Covington is a player who typically comes off the bench, and she's usually one of the better or the top backup in the SWAC and who could start at most teams uh, for most teams. But this season, just based on her veteran leadership and what she can bring to the table, Coach Reed decided to bring her into the starting lineup, and she's shooting about 45% from three. So in any given night well Teelan Bowler is the quote-unquote leading scorer if you were to just average it out but on any given night it can be Covington it can be Daphne White who's a double-double machine Angel Jackson is the swag defensive player of the year and then uh, a 
young lady who we I was expecting to be our leading scorer, Maya Crump, was another Power Five transfer. She actually hasn't played much this season. She's been out for the majority of the season, so we don't even have her. So you really, uh, you obviously have a great coach, but she has her work cut out for her in terms of scouting this team because on any given night, anybody can beat you. So definitely her work is cut out for her. We have a really solid team. But so do you. So we're just looking forward, like I said earlier, the chess match between the two coaches. And I'm looking forward to it as well. And and now you've educated me as well. It's Teelan Buller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we call her Tilly. Yeah, but it's Teelan Buller. Okay, there it is. Well, I appreciate that. And and to be honest with you, Corey, I'd be lying if I said, I hope I don't say her name a lot. I was about to say you'll be saying it a lot. You, you beat me to it, but uh, you, you'll be you'll be saying it a lot. But uh, we, we look forward to it. This, is, this matchup is going to be exciting. So I want to wish you good luck. But uh, go. I'll say this, go Tigers, and you can take that however you want to take it. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, again, thank you, uh, and uh, we'll see you soon. Appreciate you, Corey. Okay, awesome. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.